So, Larry, I was thinking about, in the course of my career, did I ever get a piece of feedback that really stuck with me, really changed me? There is once that I can actually remember. It was my annual review with my boss. I'll call him Tom because that was his actual name. <laughs> and I went into his office. We sat at the little table in front of the window. You're kind of nervous in these moments. I oh, mean, yeah. we had a lot of good communication, but your annual review is your annual review. Yeah, it matters. And he took out a piece of paper. And on the piece of paper, I could see there were just four simple bullets. Number one tip for getting ahead in corporate America, by the way, if you don't already know this, reading <laughs> reading upside down is the key skill for knowing what you need to know. Absolutely critical. So I quickly read his piece of paper upside down. But the number four bullet just said, control C. So my mind is like just running through like an entire <laughs> dictionary of C's. Like, am I complaining too much? Am I complacent? Am I controlling? And of course, he's trying to talk to me about number one, number two, and number three. I am hearing absolutely nothing. And he might have talked for 10 seconds or 10 minutes. I really have no idea. So when we got to that, I was really shocked because he said, you need to control your cynicism. I, I was shocked because I never really thought of myself as a cynical person. Mm. And it was surprising to me that he perceived me that way. And so I sort of quickly had to realize it almost didn't matter whether I perceived myself that way. The fact that he perceived me that way meant that it was something I needed to address. That's true for him, right? It's true for him. And he also said, we are alike in this way. Hmm. And I was like, no, we are not, is again <laughs> what I'm thinking. But I am not saying that because, again, it doesn't matter what's true. What we are talking about now are his perceptions of me and my longer-term effectiveness in the organization based on how I am perceived. And it really did change my behavior forever because as much as I wanted to be perceived as being clever, C word, clever, I never wanted to be perceived as being dark or snarky. So I really struggled for a long time figuring out what is that tightrope for me, who I felt would be the right role model for me. So Liz, who's your role model for that now? It's Amy Poehler because <laughs> Amy, Amy Poehler, Poehler, she's smart and she's successful, but she has Leslie Nope in her heart, Larry. And no one is less cynical in the world than Leslie Nope. Beautiful. From Wondery, this is I Hate My Boss, workplace drama, comedic relief. I'm Larry Seal. And I'm Liz Dolan. We're here to commiserate with you a little bit, but more importantly, we're here to help you solve your workplace issues. A quick warning, if you're listening around kids, there's some language in this episode you probably don't want them to hear. Today's show is all about feedback. Who gives it, how to receive it, how often. There's just something about feedback in any workplace that makes people crazy. It sure does, Liz. Why is that so hard, Larry? You're an executive coach. You see it in a lot of different workplaces, a lot of different leadership styles. 
Why is this such a flashpoint? Look, the reality is that the concept of getting feedback is fantastic, right? And in an ideal world, people are open, they're mature. Sure. They own their stuff. I want to know what I'm doing right, if there's anything I can improve. But the reality is most people, and they don't think this, but I tell you, I see it all the time. Most people are horrible at giving feedback. And the reason is they're not nearly as clear as they think they are. And this is the underlying problem. Mostly they're being selfish. They're telling you something that they want you to do differently, not because they want you to get better, but because it's having an impact on them. them. But isn't that the whole job of a boss, to make things work for them? Well, you talked about the tightrope. That's the place between, yes, you need to deliver something for me, for the company, but it's also with an edge to helping them get better. Remember in episode six, we talked about what makes up the best bosses. And one of the things they said was they cared about me. That was number one. And number two was they're honest and direct. People want feedback. They do want to know, but they want skilled feedback. They want graceful feedback that is well-intended. So I imagine with the people that you coach, You try to teach them how to be effective at that. How do you begin? Well, the key here, in my mind, is make feedback NBD. No big deal. Okay. You make feedback no big deal in the relationship you've got or in the culture, the team you've got. Then it starts to really flow. The reason you're trying to do that is you're trying to keep people from getting defensive, right? People Mm -hmm. get defensive, the walls go up, and you might as well stop talking because they can't hear you. So then the key is, how do you make sure people stay open? And there's a couple of keys to that. One, you got to do it all the time. Frequently enough. Right? Liz, we'd like to give you some feedback. And it's that one time a year when we give you feedback and tell you how you're doing and we tie your compensation to it. That's a totally relaxing situation. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, everybody loves that. Uh Right. So where this is done best is there's regular feedback all the time. And ideally, it's relatively balanced, right? So you're like, look, I heard you do this. Here's what I liked about it. And here's something that could have been better. So there's a balance of kind of things that are going well, wins, and things that could be better kind of misses. But not like the old-fashioned compliment sandwich that we uh, used to get taught. Not Say one positive thing, then one negative thing, then another positive thing. That's not what you're recommending. Well, it became a joke, right? Being polite, they call it the sandwich or they call it the shit sandwich, <laughs> right? So frequently enough and you catch it early. Don't wait, right? So you see somebody do something and you think, oh, no big deal. I'm sure they didn't mean it. And then it happens again. And then they think, Mm -hmm. oh, gosh, well, I I, I don't really want to talk to them. By the time it gets to the third time, everybody's frustrated. And what was a tiny little issue is actually now a pretty big deal. You want to catch it early. But that raises the issue, which I've certainly experienced, that people may or may not understand. Their bosses are chicken. So the last thing you want to be able you, you want to do as a boss is really call someone on bad behavior. So you do try to ignore it for as long as you can. But the bad part about that, then it builds up in your head, too. So then you're madder about it than you would have been if you had just dealt with it in a no-big-deal fashion immediately. The other thing that really goes wrong here is when people are trying to actually say, hey, Liz, here's something I want to talk to you about. You know what? You're just not a very good communicator. Well, that is such a broad, sweeping statement that it's almost like I'm accusing the whole of you about you're a bad communicator, as opposed to pointing to a little small piece of, hey, when we were in that conversation, I actually didn't get to finish my thought because you jumped in and cut me off. Talking about that little specific thing can be something you can hear a whole lot easier. 
So you have to be specific, but not trivial. That's right. And it's funny because the more specific you are, the more factual you are, actually the less defensive they're likely to get. And yet it can feel like you're picking nits. Oh, really? Yeah. It happens all the time. What you're trying to avoid is you're trying to avoid the other person feeling judged or condemned or put in a box. Larry, you're bad with people. Larry, you know, you're lazy. Yeah. versus our meeting started at 10 and you came in at 10.15, the last two meetings. That's a tough one because the person getting the feedback knows you are the judge, right? <laughs> you are in the role of judge. You're my boss. And now you're telling me the way you are judging my performance. Precisely. And it goes right back to the beginning. The way the best bosses do it is they're giving balanced feedback all the time. Where that goes wrong, again, lacking specificity is, Liz, you're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. I can tell you people hate that feedback. I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> Some okay, people... we're, our work here is done. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> right. But it doesn't. People who hear that go, OK, on the balance, that's fine. Yeah. It doesn't in any way help me get better. And what it also doesn't do is it doesn't show that that boss spent any time really thinking about it. It sounds like what it probably is, which is a throwaway statement. Yeah. I think I've been on both sides of these kinds of review conversations where I felt like there wasn't enough thought put into it in advance. So what I'm getting is just sort of glossed over generalities. Exactly. And the irony here is you're trying to make it no big deal, but actually because of the way human beings respond to getting actual critical feedback mm -hmm. is they can often get defensive. So it does take some thought. But really what you're trying to do is you're trying to formulate a super short and sweet 10 or 15 second statement that says, hey, here's what I'm experiencing. Here's what I like about it or here's what I don't like about it. You quickly move to engaging the other person in a conversation about it as opposed to just making it a statement. Mm -hmm. Well, it really surprised me the way you started this conversation, Larry, because you said the big problem is how people give feedback. Yep. I would have thought the big problem was how people receive it. Everybody experiences defensiveness in themselves and from others. My point of view is it's incumbent on the giver to be skillful enough and, as you said, put in a little bit of preparation in order to deliver the message in the way they can stay open and hear it. Okay, well, now we're going to hear some examples of people who did none of the above. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's time to visit pen and pencil. At the end of the last episode, Jessica submitted a comment to the comment box and only after the fact found out that all the comments were now going public. That can't be good for anyone at pen and pencil. Oh, no. Good morning, everyone. Morning, Chuck. Morning! Ugh, I'm gonna die. What are you, sick? You look okay. Oh, I look great. I mean, I can't deal with old mouth breather over there. Who? Guess. Come on, I'm not gonna guess. Just guess. It'll be fun. Fine. Is it... It's Chuck. He makes me want to go deaf. You can't say that. Fine. Too far. But seriously, I'm at my wit's end. Just email the comment box and he'll never know it's you. Digitized anonymous comments? Who even reads those? Seeing as your inappropriate physical contact is alive and well, clearly not you. What? People love my internationally renowned shoulder rubs. Want one? Ugh. Lisa called a group meeting. I'm literally looking at the same email you are. Just making sure. Ugh. Uh, I can't even hear myself think. Maybe I'll write one comment. Hello, everyone. This morning, I received an email from Mr. Roven, and since it pertains to all of us, 
we should read it together. Lisa, something's wrong with the comment box. I got a notification. I think we've been hacked. Well, that's what we're going to discuss, Jessica. Let's just read the email. I can read it. I'm working on public speaking. The computer can do it. Maybe next time, Chuck. But I... Sure, whatever. Employees of Pen and Pencil, the internal audit brought a lot to our attention, and we'd like to see an improvement in feedback. We feel that employees from top to bottom need to be more straightforward and upfront with constructive criticism in order to maximize productivity. We've decided to take the first step by opening up the virtual comment box for all employees to review. Please review the comments and speak directly with your co-workers if there are any conflicts, both personally and professionally. Thank you and goodbye. I read the email beforehand, but I wanted to hear everyone's reactions live. I think this is a great idea, don't you all? Isn't the point of the comment box that it's anonymous? Wait, have they already been released? Yes, yesterday. Should be a fun read, right? Matt, you don't have to raise your hand. Hi, sorry. Will there be any, like, consequences if a grievance has been aired about anyone? Hmm, I don't know. Probably not. Maybe. There won't even be any comments. This place is perfect. There are 74 comments from this month alone. <laughs> this is a disaster! Jessica, are you already reading them? I don't even know what them is. I'm doing a rewrite on my SpongeBob meme. Well, the comment box is open and Stacy's freaking out. I am not freaking out, Ivan. I just don't think it's a good idea for that stuff to be public. It's betraying people's trust. Is it just personal stuff in there? Or, like, work stuff, too? Lisa says it's everything. Oh, Jessica, I don't want you to worry. You know I think the world of you. You are a wonderful creative assistant, and I have nothing but good things to say. Well, she definitely said something nasty about you. Bye! Ivan is being ridiculous. No, I just think that with all of the changes lately, the last thing we need is for feelings to get hurt and rumors to start. Things are about to get nasty. Why would they get nasty? At the Krusty Krab. Oh, oh, sorry. I was reading my SpongeBob meme. Yeah, whatever's easiest, Stacy. Great. I think we should just all agree not to read the comments. Unified front. We'll show Lisa and the Germans that we are such a cohesive work unit. We're starting fresh. They'll like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. No one needs to get called out. So I'll spread the word to Ivan, Chuck, and the rest of the higher-ups, and you let the rest of the departments know. Unified front. On it. It's about to hit the fan. Oh, no. Did you read a comment? At the Krusty Krab. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah. I'll, I'll let everyone know. Unified front. Chuck! How are you, pal? What'd you bring for lunch today? Weight Watchers again? Hi, Ivan. I'm just finishing up in here. No need to rush. The break room's for everyone. It's okay. I don't want to bother you. Well, that was weird. Oh my god, the comment box. Hey, Ivan. Hello, Stacy. Your hair is looking beautiful today. Same hair, but thank you. What's going on? <laughs> Something has to be going on for me to come in your office. I just wanted to check in, see how the call went. It went well. They liked the proposal. Great. Then we did a good job. Good teamwork. You did the account director schmoozy thing. I did the make brilliant ideas come to life thing. We did our jobs. 50-50 then, right? 50-50? You know what I mean. We both did our part. You looked at the comment box, didn't you? I would never. And hey, great idea about not looking. That was all you. 100% your idea. Full credit. Okay, you definitely read the comments. I just meant- Whatever you said, Stacy, that's anonymous, and we- Sorry. 
you had the great idea of leaving it that way. I just wanted to stop by and say hi. Really? You're not going to admit you looked? I didn't look. Did you look? I may have read one. Jessica thinks I bark at her. I don't think I bark. Do I bark? Aha! I knew you would look. That's not fair, Stacy. I do not feel safe in this working environment. Ivan, come on. I know you look. I did not look. Ivan, come back. That might have been a bark. Uh, Matt, hold the elevator. Oh, hey, Jessica. Kind of weird day, huh? You could say that. Felt like there were weird vibes all over. Mm-hmm. Everything okay? Half-ass in my job? What the hell? That was before the roof and oh, the supplies. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, and oh, I didn't mean it anyway. Oh, okay, so, so, so you also didn't mean the part about blaming me for dropping the ball when uh, I know for a fact that you sent the wrong PowerPoint. You were the last line of defense. Oh. I was counting on you to catch okay, that. Okay, dude, I'm Ivan and Stacy's assistant. <laughs> That's my actual job. Yeah, we get teamed up on some projects, but I don't work for you. Whoa, so you're saying you don't care about the rest of us? It's none of your business what I care about. <laughs> And I'd even tell Lisa that to her face. Oh, you would? Oh, oh hey, Lisa. Lisa. No, please, go on. <sighs> I'm sorry. We got into it over the comment box. Sorry for this blatant lack of professionalism. This comment box has created chaos. Humans are so sensitive. Tomorrow morning, I'm sitting down with the whole floor. Stacy, Ivan, I brought you in this morning because we have a problem. I didn't read them. I asked you to read them. I've read them all. Lisa, things got kind of tense yesterday. Everyone agreed not to read the comments, but then some people chose to read them anyway, including me. It's clear we need to work on feedback, so I'm calling some smaller meetings. Anything on your minds? Anything you want to air out in a safe environment? Nope. Are you sure? You work very closely with each other. Ivan, something on your mind? Chuck's a mouth breather! Everyone's accusing me of stealing her thunder, and apparently my ties are ugly! Ah! This office has gone to hell! Jessica, Matt, is there anything you two need to say to each other? I'm fine. Matt said what he said, and I'm happy to treat him in a professional manner. I also plan to act professionally and could put yesterday's work-related incident behind me. I did want to voice one concern. I don't want to name names, but Matt is the office boozer. False! That cup of tea in his hand? 90% whiskey, 10% tea. That's a false accusation! Relax, Matt. Taste it! Jesus, I don't need to taste it. Welcome back, Ivan. Chuck, close the door. Now... Is there anything that you need to say to each other? Nope. Chuck and I have no problem with each other. We are pals. I need to get back to work. Chuck, do you feel the same way? Copacetic. It didn't bother you that Ivan called you a mouth breather? I was just worried about your health, Chuck. Truly. Please excuse me. I think it went great. I need a new plan. I agree. Ivan. Stacy. Jessica. Matt. Okay, everyone. Clearly the small meetings didn't work. Mr. Roven was right. We have feedback issues. 
we're not going to solve them in one day, but we can start with something small. Now, I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to give them one compliment and one constructive criticism. Lisa, no on. chance. Oh, Please, Lisa. not this. If everyone cooperates, we can all knock off at three. Ooh, oh, I love yeah. I'm in. Jessica, I'm sorry again. You're great at what you do. I mean, I do think it would be more tactful if you didn't scream, Woo, drank a clock at 6 p.m. every day. Thanks, Matt. I shouldn't have said you're a boozer. You're not that cool. Hey. Uh, you're a great copywriter, but I do wish you wouldn't bring me extra work at the last minute. I'll work on that. Ivan, you have such great charisma, and the clients seem to find you quite attractive. Your creative direction is invaluable, but I do wish you would share the credit. Thank you, Stacy. You take our clients out to lunch at Cheesecake Factory and keep them happy. And occasionally you have creative ideas too. Sometimes they're good and I just assume that they were mine. Please work on that. Is that a constructive criticism? Good enough. Hey, where's Chuck? I was simply worried about his health. I swear. He sounds like a pug. Why does everybody Whoa! say that? How did you sneak up on me? How are you so quiet at everything but breathing? All right, all right. Let's try to be both transparent and tactful going forward. Anything else before we go? Perhaps I should probably mention this. I may have been a little upset about all the Thai comments and acted out a bit. I just got my Ad Insider Google alert. It says, things sharpen at pen and pencil as comment box is made public. Read all the juiciness here. Oh, this is bad. Whoa. Ad Insider cares about us. That's great. And we're back. Well, Larry, one thing I'm pretty certain we can agree on, like companies have all different kinds of feedback systems and mechanisms and processes and timings, but the public comment box, probably not the way to go. Yeah, not the public one. <laughs> For me, the problem with anything like that is that the comment box, all of that kind of secret stuff, it just gets so personal and so petty so quickly, right? No, it really does. And it goes back to my earlier point. People give feedback in a way that is often judgmental of others and self-serving, even though they don't think they are. It seems to be the way people act on their grudges if you empower too much of that. And so that's clearly what was happening at Pen and Pencil, the things that had been stewing for a long time. And they feel like, oh, anonymous comments, I can just do that. Sure. But, you know, there are companies out there who use an anonymous comment system all of the time. I mean, famously, there was a big series of stories about Amazon and the feedback system that they have where you're allowed to comment on your colleague's performance What's your take on that? How do you feel about that? I work with a client right now, and they have a they have a 360 system, and anybody can weigh in. Anybody who works with you can weigh in, peers, bosses, team members. And I can tell you, 85 or 90% of the feedback is critical feedback. I didn't like this. They do this poorly. It's much more weighted to the negative things, which really? is tough. Really? Oh, yeah. That's interesting because I was I was rereading the whole history of the brouhaha about the Amazon system that was last summer based on a New York Times story. And uh, the Times had said people just felt totally slammed by the anonymous comments. But then Amazon responded in all kinds of official ways, including releasing the data that said even the people that said they got slammed, when they actually looked at what was in the file, what right. the system had sent them, no, it was largely positive, like 75% positive 25% negative. So 
that's just human nature that we totally ignore all the positives. Absolutely. Right? Right. I'd like to give you some positive and negative feedback. Let me start with the positives. <laughs> They're not going to hear one word of it. I know. That's the Charlie Brown's teacher moment. Exactly. I know. I've worked at places where they had 360 performance reviews. But what I've really liked about it in the past, in some of the companies I've been at, mm -hmm. is that it acknowledges that more than just your boss is entitled to an opinion on how effective you are. I find that when you hear from your colleagues, you know, if you're in a good collegial environment where people will give you constructive feedback, that your peers often tell you the things that are the most actionable. And I've just always believed in any company, building peer support is something that people don't talk about enough, but is in some ways more critical to your happiness and fulfillment. Yeah. You can have a crazy boss. But if you have a solid group of peers with whom you communicate well, for me, anyway, that has always made me happy at work. So the 360 reviews where you're hearing from your boss and you're hearing from the people who may report to you, where you're also hearing from your colleagues, I've had positive reactions to that in most of my career. Anybody who's a leader at work, they've got like three groups they have to pay attention to, right? They've got their boss, they've got their peers, and then they've got their team. Even if you're not a leader, if you're just an employee, you've got your boss and then you've got the group of peers that you work with. Mm -hmm. And people make choices about where they focus their attention, where they focus their time. And people make all kinds of choices to manage up well, but they often ignore their peers. Yeah, I, I agree. And to your point, far to their peril, no one knows what you're going through more than they do. Nobody has more of a similar view and can really be empathetic about where you are. So for people giving peer feedback... Do you have any advice about how different that might be than either reviewing someone that works for you or responding to your boss's review of you? Here's what I've seen. Peers tend to be really, really critical about things that people aren't doing, but they do it in a very specific very high context way. So it's actually very useful, right? They're not saying things like, hey, you're not a good team player. They're saying, hey, when it comes to this, this, and this, here's what you're not doing that would be really helpful because they're really looking to make that work better. And they don't sit in the seat of judgment and evaluation and your career in the same way that your boss does. So the feedback tends to flow easier. A lot of the workplaces today are much more focused on how do you play well with others? Right. And frankly, they weight the peer feedback higher than they do any other group. Well, at Pen and Pencil, they're asked to please review the comments and speak directly with your coworkers <laughs> if there were any conflicts, both personally and professionally. Is that the best way to do peer feedback? Oh, man. I mean, you cannot force people to all of a sudden step into an honest and healthy conversation. I mean, you can force them to do it, but it's not going to be honest and it's not going to be productive. So, Liz, what if you're in a company that doesn't really have a formalized system for giving feedback to your peers? How do you handle that? I think most companies don't. But for me, it's always been a value to have good peer group relationships so you don't have to call it feedback. You don't have to call it a review. You, you, right. How about just like setting up lunch and saying, hey, we work together. I really enjoy working with you. Here's what I think is really working. As long as we're here talking, anything that we think we have to work out together that could go better, you can get feedback without it being capital F in a meeting called that. And I would encourage people 
to seek out conversations with their peers about how your collaboration is functioning. And it's peers. It could be clients, right? It can be anybody. I mean, here, here's sure. two questions, right? What am I doing that is really valuable for you? And what's one thing that you'd love me doing differently that would make things better? Yes. And of course, the very fact that you're asking makes things better. Precisely. I think another big part of why feedback can be so painful is people's varying level of self-awareness, too. Self-awareness is probably the biggest single indicator of if you're going to be open to feedback or not, is do you take the time to actually self-reflect? Mm -hmm. Are you aware of how you're impacting people in all ways, right? Wonderful ways and less wonderful ways. Almost everybody will say, oh, you know, I think I know myself pretty well. I'm pretty self-aware. Most people aren't nearly as self-aware as they think they are. But people who've gotten a lot of feedback, people whose bosses don't just give feedback but actually ask questions about, well, how did you handle that? And what caused you to make those choices? And how would you do that differently next time? What did you learn from that? Now, there are bosses that ask that every single week as they're interacting with people. There are other bosses who never ask those kind of questions that don't prompt people to self-reflect. They really end up creating people who don't know how to see themselves honestly and objectively. I had a little moment of self-reflection listening to Pen and Pencil when I think it was Stacy was accused of barking. Yes. I actually wrote down in my notes, do I bark? <laughs> because maybe you do. And who's going to tell you? Whether it's the Pen and Pencil comment box or any other system, why are we always tempted to put negative feedback in writing, even though most of the time that backfires? It can be a very helpful tool. Let me give you the example. When I'm talking to people and they say, look, I'm having a reaction. I want to give some feedback. I say, take the time. Write it down. What do you want them to hear? And they write, I'm really angry about this and I'm completely disappointed. I'm super frustrated because I've given you this feedback before and here's what you didn't do. By the way, don't put that in an email and hit send. Under no <laughs> circumstances, hit send. But write that out. And then you go back and look at it and go, okay, that's not going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be helpful. And then you can use that. If nothing else, it helps you work through it and not stay in an emotional place about it so that you can be direct and open. But it also helps you really narrow down exactly what is it you want to say. So you talked about the homework that you do a little bit before you provide the feedback. This is very helpful. Okay. So this is what we're calling writing the email you should never send. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this next week. So what else can people do or say or follow up with to show the person who gave them the feedback that they are taking that advice seriously? Yeah. So here's what it makes me think of. One of my best friends and mentors, his name is Terry Pierce, and he's an executive coach as well. And he said, look, when you get feedback, just go to the worst case scenario and assume they're 100% correct. Now what? Uh -huh. And it, it's really good because you don't get caught up in, well, I'm going to justify them. I'm going to explain why in this situation it mattered. Just go, it's true for them. Just like you were saying about your boss. Mm -hmm. That was true for them. Right. So what was that your intention? If no, then this should be pretty easy to fix. It's just an awareness thing. If it was your intention, then that's obviously another issue, right? So you ask yourself that question and you can begin to say, huh, where might I have done that? What might I have done that caused that to happen? And sometimes you'll hear people get defensive because they'll say, well, that wasn't my intention. That's yeah. not what I meant to do. Well, that's wonderful. I'm glad you weren't trying to Yeah, that's good people. news. Right. right. It is good news. And that was what happened for somebody else. So how are you going to solve that? You know, I'm just chuckling to myself listening to this because one time in a review situation with somebody that worked for me, let's just say we had differing opinions on the performance mm -hmm. and 
the person said to me at the end of the review, well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, no, not really. Okay, that's not really the way this works. (laughs) Because this is not a democracy. I am your boss. I was outraged in my head. But I tried to... You know, be calm and be sure. kind, and but be strong. Always my three goals. I was like, well, I'm going to need you to address these things no matter what. Sure. Even if we do disagree, this is what the company needs and the team needs, so you're going to have to address these things. Well, you know, it's really important. I mean, on the receiving end of that, you don't have to agree. You don't even have to like it. But if you treat it like it's not real, at yeah. your peril. And then over time, I really admire people who check back in on things. And so I've learned from other people who are good at that, that I should do more of that in my career too. So I really like it when they come back into my office a month or two later and say, you asked me to think about this and address that. Here's what I've been doing. Any feedback? Yeah. The person who's giving you feedback appreciates knowing that it was heard and you are addressing it. And when you do that, those messages tend to go away as long as you're making progress. Exactly. On you, right. you show you actually care about getting better. Yeah. If the next time you talk about it is a year from now, that's a red flag. And that's also on you. Yeah. Agreed. Sarah Rob O'Hagan has been global president of Gatorade, which is a $5 billion brand, and global president of Equinox. You know all the Equinox sports clubs. She's currently CEO of indoor cycling company Flywheel Sports, and her new book is Extreme You, Step Up, Stand Out, Kick Ass, Repeat. Sarah, welcome to I Hate My Boss. Hi, it's so (laughs) awesome to be here. (laughs) And you know what? I just want to confess, I just did exactly what you said in your book is one of the biggest problems when we talk about our careers, which is that we focus uh, what on, did you do? We focus on our successes and we just skip over our epic fails. And one of the things you write about a lot in Extreme U is how important it is to talk about the moments that you really screwed up. I don't know what happened in the last, like, 20 years. I don't know if it was when social media came along and we all just had to show each other how amazing we were. But we just... I would notice, you know, if you're speaking at a conference or something, people would introduce you with all these great things you've done and completely omit the screw-ups and the embarrassing stuff, which is actually really important to making you who you are as a leader. And, you know, in my case, yes, I led the turnaround of a $5 billion brand, you know, when I was in my late 30s, but I also got fired twice in my 20s, back Mm. to back. (laughs) But it's like those experiences actually are what help shape you into learning where you thrive, where you're not so good, where, you know, as a leader, where you have to seek help. And I think it's so important to talk about them, particularly for you know, younger people who are getting their careers underway so that they don't feel this fear of screwing up or failing because it's just a necessary part of self-development. Well, you know, our episode today is specifically about feedback, how to hear it and how to give it. So I want to ask you a couple things about that. First, there's an example in your book of hearing feedback, where as I was reading it, like steam started coming out of my ears because I thought, oh my God, if this had ever happened to me, it would have been the most humiliating moment of my life. And yet somehow you managed to roll with it. And it was, it was something so personal. It was a boss who told you that you needed to dress better, Sarah. And he wanted, <laughs> uh, like, he wanted you to go shopping with his girlfriend. Like, I would have been insulted, 
angry, humiliated. I mean, that's a really weird situation. Oh, yeah. I was all of those things initially. Because also, by the way, picture the scene. I'm early 20s and the boss in this case would have been, I don't know, 50s. He was, as I describe in my book, hardly a fashion icon. Exactly. I'm a little smart, you know, styling upstart kids and looking at him going, who do you think you are telling me how to dress? You know, (laughs) in my, that was my thought bubble at least. But at first I was smarting in my corner, kind of going enough already, like, who are you? But then you actually have to step back and go, there's a reason this person's giving me this feedback. Like he doesn't gain anything from giving it to me personally he has to be trying to help me I mean who would want to have that conversation can you imagine having that conversation from his perspective so no unless he's just a total jerk like jerks like to have that conversation but if you already knew as a person he wasn't a jerk he wasn't just a like a bully boss then yeah that it's a delicate conversation to have he just thought you needed to up your game. Oh, yeah. Is that what it was? Yes. And he, I genuinely think he was trying to help me. He's trying to say, listen, you've got the potential to be a leader, but you've got to like look more like one. And <laughs> when I finally kind of got over myself a little bit, and by the way, I, he, he did offer a small clothing stipend and who doesn't love to shop? So of course I was going to take that, right? <laughs> You're just a better person than I but am, but I, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, I do think once you sort of get over yourself a little bit and say I can take something from this I can you know learn something from this then you can move forward for sure yeah have you ever gotten a piece of feedback from a boss or even a colleague that really did change your mind about yourself or change your life in a significant way Gosh, this is probably 10 years ago or so, and I am definitely an extrovert. I'm a real people person, and I love being with people. And I remember at one point, someone who reported to me finally just saying to me, I just got to be honest with you, like, sometimes there's too much of you. The team needs a bit of space. (laughs) Just dial it back. And I nearly died because I was like, here's me thinking, of course they love having me around because I love having them around. (laughs) And then just realizing that, you know, not everyone is wired with the same energy level of, you know, needing human interaction. And and it was such a wake-up call of like, wow, I've got to make sure I'm really managing other people's energy levels as much as my own, for sure. As a extrovert, how do you think about the process of giving feedback to an introvert? One of my favorite stories in the book actually is about an introvert, a very close colleague that I worked with. And because I hear you, I your, your default mechanism is you're just yearning for them to speak up in that meeting because you see the ideas running around in their head, you know? Exactly, exactly. But in the end... I think it was about talking to that person, where do you want your career to go? Like, not everyone necessarily actually wants to be a leader. It may be that you're yearning for something from that person that they might not necessarily want. But if they do, it's kind of like, how can you help them to overcome some of the fears that might be holding them back? And I think it's having the conversation through the lens of where they want their career to go. Mm-hmm. And likewise, I, I do think that goes hand in hand with inviting feedback from them to you of how you can help them. I'm sure you're the same because you're a somewhat extroverted person yes, too. I, that I, I, would I have to found that. through my career, my greatest work has been done in partnership with an introvert. And when you can have that honest conversation of, I want you to tell me when I need to slow down, 
tone it down, make sure I'm really being thoughtful, deeply thoughtful because I'm moving too far, whatever it may be, then that person's making you better too, you yeah. know? That's an interesting approach to just dealing with colleagues who may be different than you too, you know, just understanding that, yeah. that there is more than one way to get this done. Well, that is great perspective. Sarah Robb O'Hagan's book, Extreme You, Step Up, Stand Out, Kick-Ass, Repeat, is available on Audible, as are many of the books we talk about on our show. I'm really an Audible junkie, and it is my go-to source for a lot of the things for I Hate My Boss. Listeners can get their audiobook for free with a 30-day trial membership by going to audible.com slash boss. Again, that's audible.com slash boss. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing today with us. This was awesome, Liz. Thanks so much. Bye. Does your company have a comment box or any system of peer-to-peer feedback? Please, we want to hear your story. What works? What doesn't work? Especially if it's one of those stories we just can't make up. Send it to us on Twitter or Facebook at I Hate My Boss Show via email at IHateMyBoss at Wondery.com or give us a call at 424-224-5711. I just really admire Sarah's energy and how she seems to take lessons away from everything that's ever happened to her in her life. And getting fired is clearly a dramatic event in her life. But she wrote, failure helps make me more self-aware, but more importantly, it was a big dose of I can survive. Well, that's a great lesson, right? To take away from like the ultimate piece of negative feedback. If you can get through it, then there's a lot of learning there. I love her mindset about learning from her experiences, right? Really reflecting and saying, what does this tell me? What does this teach me? If you're open to that, you're going to learn and you're going to grow. And for sure, being fired, it hits your ego, it hits your pocketbook, and you can sit and be angry about that, or you can say, what do I take away from this? And maybe the thing you just take away from it is, I'm darn resilient. I'm actually wanted out there. I have valuable things to bring to the world. And I'll find another thing. And I think too often we worry we're not going to find another thing. This is the only thing that's sure. Once you go through a few of those... I read a book once called Fireproof by a woman who had just been fired in the most awful way and struggled back from that. But when she did get back from that, that's exactly how she felt. She felt fireproof. Now we have a story that's really one you cannot make up. Hi, my name is Flannery, and I'm calling from Washington, D.C. I not so recently quit a very terrible job, and one of the first red flags that happened was my boss getting stuck in an elevator. We have very old elevators um, that were honestly pretty scary, but um, one day she gave us a call. She was late. She was stuck in the elevator, and she's an older woman, so I rushed down trying to help keep her calm, and she was, I mean, screaming at the top of her lungs. So many of us came out of the office trying to help and she screamed at every single one of us. When I was trying to be helpful, she was extremely nasty and it literally was like there is a snake trapped in the elevator or something. Like we were all (laughs) standing far away from it watching as someone was trying to help. So uh, if you want to find out if your boss is good or bad, just I guess trap them in an elevator and See if they scream at you for the whole 10 minutes. Yeah, she she got out and uh, continued about the day as if it was absolutely normal, uh, except for the fact that she blamed a lot of us about this elevator ordeal um, and didn't exactly thank us for our quick thinking or, you know, literally running blocks to get her help. So, um, yeah, uh, that would be my terrible boss story. Oh, my God. What kind of person 
screams at the people who are coming to save them, Larry. Not a bright one that wants to be saved. Oh, my goodness. Goodness. Just picture the people backing away from yes. the elevator watching the fire department come. And guess what? They're not responding next time. Yeah, exactly. I, they're not going to rush towards the fire. All right. Well, next week on I Hate My Boss, we're answering questions from you. And we're conducting a coaching session with our producer, Cerise Castle. Yay! She's on the verge of a quarter-life crisis. It's her birthday, and we're just going to see if we can help her through it. A quarter-life crisis. <laughs> well, she that's what she said. Right. Because that's what people do now. They didn't do that when I was that age. No. I, that only just recently got invented, so I do want to find out more of, of what it is. So this is like a midlife crisis, except... It comes sooner now. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. That makes okay. sense. If you have your workplace problem you need help with, send it our way. We're here to help. And remember, we are working on an upcoming episode specifically about dealing with sexual harassment. So if you have a story to share with us, we are here to listen. You can email us. We're I hate my boss at wondery.com. We're also on Twitter and Facebook at I hate my boss show. Of course, you can always call us. That number is 424 224 5711. Thank you for all your five-star reviews. If you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Go to our show page, click reviews, then write a review. If you're not in the mood for writing, really, just just give us the five stars. Just five. (laughs) This episode was hosted by Liz Dolan, Boss Emeritus and Satellite Sister, and me, Larry Seal, CEO and founder of Engaged Leadership. The comedy segment was written by Amanda Meadows, directed by Drew DeFonzo Marks, and edited by Misha Stim. Ivan was played by Eddie Santiago, Stacy by Karen Bond, Lisa by Julie Brister, Jessica by Ego Wodim, Matt by Justin Michael, Chuck by Spike Spencer, Jonathan by Jim Meskimen, Dee by Stephanie Shea. The original theme song was composed by Martin Blanco, produced by Cerise Castle, Special consultant Julia Smith, executive producer Jeffrey Glazer, created and executive produced by Hernan Lopez for Wondery. Remember, workplaces can feel crazy. But you don't have to. Thank you.